written. So verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? They are a bit stumped. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least or to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. You were doing it for me. How do you love a God who is invisible? Something I read by Wick Warren says, the way you love a God who is invisible is by loving people who are all made in the image of God. So it's hard to tell the sheep from the goats, but Jesus is saying the evidence of your love, the evidence of your commitment to him is the fact that you love others and serve others. This week I've been reading in Exodus and it's all the description about how the tabernacle should be constructed and about sacrifices and all that. And it just was a sharp contrast to this. This is the new covenant. This is God's way since Jesus. It's not a whole lot of rules about what to eat and what to sacrifice and, and when to come to worship. It's, it's not about that. Our sacrifice is simply to love others. You know what? Maybe that's harder than keeping the rules. So one of our five years' goals is to serve our community practically and holistically. I think of holistically. What does that mean? When I stopped and thought about that, I thought one of my friends who's in Africa really demonstrates what holistic care is. So my friend's name is Miriam. We met her. We met her a, a sort of chance encounter. She'd come to visit her daughter, who's a doctor, who lives in Forest Lake. And um, we got to know her. She actually pastors in um, a small community in rural Zambia. And Miriam has been a widow for a long time. Her children are fairly scattered, and she was able to buy a... It was 24 hectare block of land, a long way, out, quite a distance out of the town of Kitwe, where she'd been working, and she thought that she would go and retire there. But she has never retired. As she began to work this piece of land and maybe make a home for herself out there, she noticed the people around her. They're all subsistence farmers. She found that they had very little. And so she sought ways to meet their needs. 
she began a worshipping community um, as soon as she could, but there was more to their needs than just spiritual. One of the things that she did um, just last year, she got enough money that she could buy, that's her, with the blue and the red thing. <clears throat> you might not know what they're for, but when the people have grown their maize, living out in the sticks like they do, the women would have pounded it to make the, the maize flour to make the ugali, which is what they eat every day. They didn't have the money or the transport to take it into town to get someone to mill it for them. And so they've been able to buy um, little machines which are petrol driven and they can now do that for a, for a, a small fee, um, which then helps to do other things in the community. So, yep, were they hungry? Well, they always have a hungry season, just about because they never grow enough food or rarely grow enough food that lasts the whole year. When what they grow and runs out, they wait for the rains and for the next crop to come around again. So this is a good way. If they can grow more food, then that's fabulous. Another thing that they've been able to put in is a, a pump to pump water. Uh, it was an American organization, NGO, that was doing this for free in communities that uh, were eligible. And... Miriam is a great networker. She was able to get this group to come and sink a bore. And now instead of the girls walking a long way to get water, which may not be clean, especially as the dry season's coming and the river tends to dry out, they have clean water close by. Not only do they have clean water for, for drinking, they also can wash and they have some extra for their crops to help sustain them. Now, some of the people who kind of were hanging around had become landless. They were dispossessed. There was one man who was an alcoholic. He didn't belong anywhere anymore. And Miriam has built a house, well, with the help of others, not just Miriam, but the house at the bottom there houses him and maybe some other people because they really had nowhere to go. They had lost their connection with their own sort of place. You know, Jesus said, when I was naked, you gave me clothes. Well, the kids probably weren't really naked, but they didn't have clothes that you would wear to school. And most of them didn't go to school because it's seven kilometres to get over the bridge when it's the wet season to get to the nearest school. So the younger children were not going to walk seven kilometres there and back in a day. And so Miriam began a school. Some of the kids still wouldn't come. Uh, it's pretty rudimentary kind of stuff. But she found sufficient funds that each child could have a uniform so that they could come to school. And then there's lots of them who have sicknesses or injuries. And she now has some basic first aid medical care. And her daughter, who is practicing medicine in Brisbane, is frequently on Zoom helping Miriam and a nurse who's there sometimes to treat more tricky things. So often, Charlotte is at like midnight here, is talking to people in Zambia, giving medical advice. That is holistic, okay? Has the church absolutely flourished? Disappointingly, no, but there is an effective church but other of the needs are met. And you've heard it said, if a person is hungry, 
it's hard for them to hear about Jesus. And so Miriam has applied this holistic model. Now, none of us are probably ever going to do anything on a scale like that. I don't think our church ever will. And when we lived in a place like Australia, we have so many government and other places that supply many of these needs. You know, if you have visited some um, developing countries, you come home and you are so grateful to turn on a tap and have clean water that you can drink. So we are most blessed, but people in our community still have needs as well. So let's summarise. What is a holistic approach? It's to provide support that looks at the whole person, not just their spiritual needs. And I think that Jesus is saying we care about the whole person. That's what he's saying in that passage. And how well we care for the whole person is how he judges where our heart is. People could have complex needs, and if they do, we are so really well off that we can help link people to other needs. We don't have to meet all those needs for people. The key issue for us is what can we do in our community maybe to meet needs more holistically? We know there are families who struggle. We know there are teens at risk. Is they, are they areas where we could do more? We don't have to copy what other churches do. We don't have to have um, like a food bank thing or an op shop, which the Uniting Church has just down the road here. We don't copy. We don't do the same thing. So, Lord, if you want us to do more, what is it and how will we do it? That's our prayer that we hope that you will join us in. So our eyes are on you, Lord. What do we do? Now, the last scripture, the last verse that I read said, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You know, they were small acts that people did. And yet Jesus is well pleased and is ministered to through those small acts. But do you notice who those acts were to? Brothers and sisters of mine. Sometimes this particular scripture is used to try and extract your money for projects overseas and big, you know, feed the world kind of stuff. But Jesus is talking about our brothers and sisters, and maybe we should do more and care more. I get the Barnabas news, newsletter. You know, we had somebody from Barnabas talk here late last year. People in Zimbabwe are suffering. There's, they, they work in numbers of different places. There's always famine somewhere. And place people like organisations like Barnabas will help meet those needs. They rely on people like us to donate to help them work with partner organisations in the ground. So we need to do this for one another. It starts among us. So think of the last week or the last two weeks. How have you loved Jesus by serving someone? Maybe a brother or sister in the church. Maybe a neighbor. Maybe a workmate. But think about who in the church have you encouraged 
I asked myself that question and I found it a bit challenging. That's why I'm asking you too. don't want to be on my own in that. We need our eyes and our hearts to be open to the needs of others. And God will help us to meet their needs. So some of the ways that people serve and people in this church, we have school chaplains, hospital chaplains, we have people who do the English conversation class, who do breakfast club, who are youth leaders. We are meeting needs in the community. I don't think we've got any prison chaplains, but we do have somebody who works with Kairos outside, which is helping and supporting the wives or the, the, the women who are connected to people who are in prison. And uh, I know in the past, I think they finished doing it. We had somebody in the church who was part of Kairos Inside is where you go in and visit with prisoners. I was talking with somebody recently about they'd taken on being the manager for their child's sporting team. And it was like, oh, another thing. And I thought, you know, one of the ways that we can serve our community, our schools and our community, is by helping with those kind of teams. Did you know that there have been sporting organisations in Forest Lake, but a lot around Australia, that have ceased operation because they can't find volunteers to do the background work to make the club work? It is now harder for kids to find a sporting team to get into um, because the clubs are not so local quite often. It's become a very complex world. I sort of understand why people don't do it, but maybe, maybe one way of helping disengaged kids and youth in our neighbourhood is providing or supporting existing sporting clubs. Um, I know someone from this church often is the last person that does the walk at the end of Park Run. So it's part of the administration of Park Run. That's serving our community um, in a way that's also helpful to themselves. So it doesn't have to be a big commitment and it doesn't have to cost you time or a lot of money. Kindness and generosity, I think, is what Jesus is asking of us. So what are some ways that we can serve others? Well, one of the ways is to pray for people on your street. Maybe pray for them, even if you don't know what their particular needs are. But when I think of people in my street, I have a 90-year-old lady whose health is failing, um, who lives directly opposite. Next door to her is a Chinese couple who have no English, really, apart from hello and hardly come outside their house. It's really hard to get to know them. There's other people in our street. There seems to be a single mum with a bunch of kids that's moved in. Maybe I could pray for her to cope. I think she's doing it a bit tough. I haven't got to know her either. You know, people come and go in our street all the time. It's challenging. They're not there, some of them, for very long, and off they go again. How can we feed the hungry, you know, or give them a drink? Maybe just inviting somebody home, even to have a cup of coffee with them um, at a coffee shop. Doesn't have to be a big deal. You can encourage and affirm people. 
maybe in your workplace, at school, when you're talking to the other mums while you're waiting for the preps to come out, um, while you're at sport with other people, whether you're waiting at the bus stop, when that harassed checkout chick is got a line lining up. Rather than look weary and think, <laughs> hurry up, how about stand up, smile, look them in the eye and say thank you and encourage them in their day. You could help somebody in need, and these don't have to be big things. One of our neighbours um, has been in Australia a few years. They have not grown up where you have grass you have to mow and a garden to maintain. They've been here for a few years and they've lived in a unit all the time that they've been here. They're so excited because they've bought a house. But you know what happens when you buy a house. There's a whole lot of maintenance and stuff to do. So the other day we went out the front and here's Nguyen, our neighbour, standing on the footpath with a whippersnipper upside down looking really puzzled. Why wasn't that string stuff coming out anymore? Okay, some of you know what whippersnippers are like. They're a pain. Anyway, he and Greg, Nguyen and Greg are developing quite a good friendship and Greg was able to work with him and show him how to get his whippersnipper working. It's only a little thing. We could have walked back inside and left him to it. Didn't take a lot of time, but Greg has fought with whippersnippers for decades. He's a bit of an expert, really. And lost. <laughs> so there's so many informal, easy, no-cost ways that we can fulfill what Jesus is asking. Kindness and generosity. There's people in the church who do things that are a little more formal. So we have um, some people who do pajama angels, which is visiting a foster child once a week to read, do homework, just be a friend to them. Um, somebody goes driving in the community to pick up people and take them to medical appointments and various things like that. We have people on school P&Cs. We've got people or have had people on Meals on Wheels. There's somebody who's been a vital part of National Seniors. I know somebody who's been doing reading programs down at Grand Avenue, and I mentioned Kairos already. Now, there's some of the ways. It doesn't have to be formal, but if you would like to find a formal way, go to Volunteering Queensland website. It's a bit of an eye-opener, but there's plenty of things you could do. And you know what? 2nd of March, church wor uh, working bee for the school, that would be a way that we could demonstrate our love for the community. So, might see you there, hey? Last week, Mark talked about being seen and said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our good deeds aren't about making us feel good or earning our way to heaven. We'll never earn our way to heaven. We are accepted by Jesus because of our faith in his death and his resurrection. But it says that when we have committed our life to Christ, then out of the overflow of that life, there are good works that we will do that demonstrate God's life in us because God is a giving God. 
So we will glorify our Father in heaven and we will be light and salt in our community if we do these simple things. And I don't want you to think I don't, you know, or believe that I don't think you do them. I think that most of us are doing some of this most of the time. But we're just thinking, do we go bigger than this in the coming years? So we long to serve our community holistically. I think it's our attitude that counts. I put a cup, a picture of that cup being handed to someone. How simple is it to give a drink or share a drink with someone? and receive a commendation from Jesus for doing that. It's motivated by seeing Jesus in others. One of the things we say at this church is every person is important to God. These actions demonstrate that we don't just believe it here, we're putting it into action. And it's an overflow of our life in Christ. It becomes a habit, a way of life. It's not a hard grind, it's not hard work. It's the love of God flowing through us. So I pray that in this coming week, you will think more about who can I serve? Who has a need? That when you see a need, you mightn't go like, I haven't got time, but think, Lord, how can I serve? You know, sometimes you don't have to do the whole thing for a person. It's just a beginning part or come back to it later. But let's honour Jesus Let's be one of the sheep, not one of the goats. The goats are rejected because they did not serve others. There was not evidence of new life in their lives. And on that last day, Jesus said, I didn't know you, you goats. So maybe think of one thing you might do. Mostly it's not planned ahead. It just happens, I think. This week, you can talk and pray in your life groups. If you aren't in a life group, I've got a few spares of the um, the studies that we're doing for the next few weeks. They're on the table outside. You're welcome to pick one up. Um, or if you didn't have enough of those in your group, you might like to pick one up too. So the place to work all of this stuff through and talk with others is the life group. And um, if you haven't got into a life group yet, talk to me or talk to, there's plenty of leaders here who can help you do that. So I want to pray as we finish. So just join together, bow our heads. Lord, we confess that we get really full of ourselves, our worries, our work. You are challenging us today to notice the needs of our brothers and sisters in the church and the needs of the community. Lord, would you guide us each day that we may show your love by serving others in our home, in our church, at school or work, and in the wider community. Lord, we want to let your light shine so that you have the glory. Lead us to what else you might have us do as a church. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us and work through us to equip us and empower us to do these things. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen.